I have created a freebie for you. 41 ways to teach your child entrepreneurial skills in your homeschool to help you take your homeschool to the next level. Link in the show notes. I am so excited to introduce Neutralite. This company has been around for 80 plus years. They were green before green was even a thing. They have the world's number one kids and adults vitamins and kids and adults probiotics. This company uses the power of plants from seed to product to nourish and support you and your family's immune systems so you can have fun and enjoy living life together. Don't spend another penny on low quality vitamins that invest more in advertisement than the product. Arm yourself with Neutralite vitamins and probiotics. With purchases over $99, there's free shipping. Stop losing sleep and time with your family and get back to life with Neutralite. Welcome back to the Homeschool Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Bex Fuzzy. And today's guest is Gary Mason, a retired chemistry and physics teacher with 34 years of teaching experience. Gary focuses on tutoring students in chemistry and physics, whether they are in public schools or a homeschooler. He works with students one-on-one to help them individually grasp the material. In this episode, we talk about how he enjoys his students' I get it moment, or whoa, aha, they got it. He also is doing the one thing he loves most, and that is teaching, and how the last 34 years has enabled him to gain such deep understanding of his subjects that he can just share his learnings with his students everywhere. So go grab your coffee, go grab your tea and a pen and paper, because you're not going to want to miss what Gary has to say. Let's get into the podcast. Gary, say hello to our guests. Hello, guests. How are you guys doing? (laughs) Awesome. And tell us a fun fact about physics or chemistry. Well, in my chemistry class, when we introduce factor label, we do what I call a double-decker factor label conversion, where we determine the speed of light. And after we do that, I mentioned to them that when you look up at the sun, that you are looking back in time about eight minutes. And then we continue on and mention that when you look at the night sky, you're looking back in time many, many, many years. And the students tend to be flabbergasted at that idea that looking at the night sky is looking into a time machine. That's amazing. I mean, when you stop and think about that, how magical is that? Like you're looking back in time. I feel like sometimes people don't realize the dynamic, how dynamic science really is, right? Like they lump chemistry or physics into this like little itty bitty thing of like, oh, not a lot of people can, you know, talk about it. But then you have someone who can really pull it out and extract the beauty of science and blow people's minds so that they're like, oh my gosh. Science is all around me. And for me, that's why I love STEM. I love science because of just, oh, the the, the magic behind it is just fantastic. So you're coming out of the public school. You've been a science teacher for, what, 34 years? 34 years. Uh, you have a wealth of experience, knowledge, and understanding. Tell us what you're doing now in the education field. 
Well, since I retired from the public school system a few years ago, I've been trying to do some tutoring of students via Zoom. Many of those have been my local students from uh, schools that I taught at or school, the high school that I actually went to a long time ago. But I've done tutoring for students around the country and as far uh, west as Oregon at this point. That is awesome. That's awesome. So what made you want to get back into the education field? I mean, like a lot of teachers are like, yeah, I'm tired. I'm done. But you're like, no, I want to get back in. I want to get my feet wet in that again. Well, I, I really enjoyed working with the young folks. That's been my, you know, my whole whole life's focus has been working with high school students. And I miss that. I miss the the feeling of having some value and reaching out and helping students, helping kids when, when they're having some difficulties. And on top of that, you know, it keeps your brain active. You know, I'm able to sit down and work through problems again. And, you know, when I work with some college students and working on some problems at that level, I have to do some catching up and some research on those. And I, I really I really enjoy that part of the process, you know, relearning things. Oh, I didn't really understand that the first time through when I had it in college. That's pretty cool. And uh, sharing those things with uh, the, the students currently. And that makes you so relatable because at that point, you're with them, right? So like the same thing with me when I don't understand something and I have to teach it, I have to go back and relearn it. And that makes me more relatable to my students because at that point I'm like, okay, yeah, no, I get it. I can see how hard that is. I'm with you. And then they feel heard and understood at the same time. So they have like buy-in like, okay, yeah, cool. We're, we're doing this together. And that's how teenagers are. They, they oh, want to- yeah, they want to know they're with people. You know what I mean? They're not on their own. They're not like, oh, everybody's so much smarter than me. It's like, no, we we learn together. And what a life lesson that is, right? I mean, how yeah. beautiful is that? I was working with a, a college physics student last week. And, you know, when I met met up with her, I told her that uh, these first couple of problems I I had to spend a lot of time on. You know, looking at some things online and some videos myself. And, you know, I know enough to go through it with you, but I'm not an expert on this. And, uh, but we, and we got through it. And she, she, she literally, she said, well, I, I get it. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, yeah, we aren't all experts at everything, but, you know, the one advantage of having somebody working with you is that there's a give and take, a dialogue that can go back and forth. And that's what I try to do, you know, with, uh, with the students to create a give and take, you know, a dialogue. When you're one-on-one, -on -one, they're not necessarily afraid to ask the questions that they are if they're in a group and, you know, working with a computer program and just, you know, filling in the blanks on, on a screen, you don't get that, that verbiage going back and forth like you can between uh, two people. Even though it's online, you know, they're seeing me, I'm seeing them, they're hearing me, and I think it makes it a lot easier for them to work through their questions and understand yeah, any kind of communication it just makes things so much easier when you talk things through. What's interesting is a lot of times when we have, when we just have like even outside of like school, we have like regular problems and we just talk it with a person. For some reason, all of a sudden the answer comes to us as we're in the middle of conversing with the person. It, mm -hmm. That's mind blowing sometimes when you're like, oh my gosh, I just figured it out, you know, and it's that you just need that human connection to be able to get through some of these things. And just that confidence knowing that somebody's there rooting for you and they're going to be there for you to like help you walk it out is just really, really powerful. And on my side of things, when I see the, the students get it or start to understand or start to put the, you know, some of the pieces together when they didn't have that originally, 
you know, that, that's a fun time. It is fun. I agree. Right. Isn't that awesome when you see the light bulb open up in your students' eyes and you're like, oh my God, it's a really great feeling to know. And and sometimes I was just talking to someone else and I said, uh, it's really cool when you see your student apply the things that you've taught them to an outside situation that you didn't bring up. Correct. I mean, you know, some, so much of the time when students are taking any class, oh, I got to do the assignment get it done, move on to the next one. But it's very important to try to bring in the relevancy to things. And, you know, when I was in the classroom, I I tried to bring so many things in. You know, just to give you a side note, I took a group of students on a national competition and we went to Denver and we went up to the Rocky Mountains. And when we had that group up in the top, top of the Rockies, it was my first trip up there, I noticed that the little bags of Doritos at the concession stands at the top were all puffy. And I didn't think a whole lot of it at that point. But as I thought about it, daggone it, you're going up in elevation. The pressure inside the bag is more than outside, and they're all puffed out. And when I went back the second time, I got it in pictures and took pictures at different elevations coming down the mountain. And then I used those things for 25 years in my classes. And I still get students to this day that contact me via social media, showing me pictures of bottles or something that they saw crushed as they were coming down from high elevations. It's so I just got one about a month ago from a student. Oh, wow. That's really cool. You know, that's so funny you talked about that because when I went up to Estes Park, which is in the mm-hmm. is in the Rocky Mountains, yep. so many things they didn't tell me, first off. <laughs> like I did get the little letter about, you know, sickness, altitude sickness, altitude. which I got, which felt terrible. And the other one was I actually went for a singing competition. Nobody tells you about your vocal cords, how they don't work very well at the very beginning. And I got off the plane, got to the competition, didn't realize how badly your oxygen levels are depleted. Mm -hmm. And then I started singing and I sounded like a whistle. (laughs) So bad. You're you're sucking wind. It was so Uh, bad. you know, when we talk about pressure, pressure differences and things like that, you tell them, well, you've been up on top of the mountain. Is it easy to breathe there? No, <laughs> well, that's because there's not as much air up there. Hence, not as much oxygen, lower pressure. That's how you remember it. Oh, gosh. And, um, you know, where I used to live, we had Death Valley was just about an hour from our place, you know, the lowest elevation. And then we had a pretty high mountain right outside uh, town, too. So they, they, they could relate to those pressure differences talking about that. Yeah. Death Valley is like, I think maybe half hour from me. It's not too oh, far away. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I uh, retired from teaching in Pahrump, Nevada, which is about an hour outside of Vegas. And when you leave Vegas to go to Death Valley, you go right through Pahrump. Yeah. We're in San Diego. So maybe it's a little more than a half hour. I think it's like maybe an hour east if when, when we come in with the very opening, I remember going through Death Valley and being streamed into the eight down really. Well, it's actually pretty south of San Diego. I think it was more like Chula Vista area. We're close. So I remember coming out of there and I literally remember like it was yesterday going into Death Valley, which is pretty long. And then going through this 
maybe it wasn't Death Valley. Maybe we went through Death Valley into another mountain range. Maybe that that's what it was. And through that mountain range, it looked like a pile of rocks, but these mountains were huge. And then as we came right on out, the air and the temperature dropped. Like the temperature dropped 20 degrees. It went from like 100 to like 80 within like minutes. I just remember it just blowing my mind and that the air went from being stuffy to like clean and crisp my husband and i were shocked but going through death valley man that was an experience man that was scary i'm not gonna lie to you because all the dirt devils that came through we were brand new kids from jersey i mean like we're just driving in for the first time to california our first cross country it's a different world out there oh my gosh like we were like we were blown away we came across and we're like oh my gosh we see fire starting like right near us and all these dirt devils coming through it was like we were in the movie because we see these briars just going yeah. across the street yeah. we're like that's real oh my god yeah, back oh, on the east coast we're so used to green and everything and then you hit the mississippi it's flat as a pancake and then it turns <laughs> into brown yeah, yeah it, it's uh, it's quite an experience to drive across country it really is and all the different altitudes that you go through when we came down we had to go through so we came down pennsylvania down to Tennessee through Alabama across Texas. Texas took the southern route, okay. Yeah, and then we went down to uh, Louisiana, or maybe we went before it. I don't really remember, but I remember going to Louisiana at like one a.m. in the morning, and <laughs> that was super scary. Like it was the creepiest thing I ever saw in my life. Like the trees looked creepy. That right, um, yeah. the clouds were like stringy and long. And then the moon, and I'm like, oh my God, these things really come from somewhere, you know? So like, it's like so much learning you can do of science, honestly, just driving across the United States, like, holy cow. Absolutely. You know, and a lot of our students, you know, when you talk to them, you know, we lived one hour out of Vegas and I had some high school students that had never been there. Wow. (laughs) And, you know, they they don't go any, you know, they're coming from backgrounds where they just aren't able to get out of their little tiny box. Right. And just about anything amazes a large portion of our students. We tend to think all students have it, have it. Everybody's on on a level playing field. They're not. They're all bringing different baggage to your classroom. They're bringing uh, all kinds of different experiences. Totally. And generally, public doesn't necessarily realize that. Totally. Recognize that. And trying to do the best you can to reach as many of those students as you can is a challenge. And it can be fun. You know, as a teacher, you know, I, I listened to one of your prior podcasts, uh, a gentleman talking about his his program that he created to, to uh, redo some of the experiments from the old folks, the old old days. And his, his objective was he didn't like all the, you know, teaching to a test. Well, one of the things that I, I had in mind my whole career, and I thought it was more important to do I was not a mile-wide, inch-deep person. Oh, yeah, I remember talking about that for two minutes, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. My philosophy was do less, go into it in some more detail, try to get them interested. If you got them interested, then they would take the second year of the course, and then they could go into more of the deeper stuff. You know, to learn a little bit about a whole bunch and not really to hear a little bit about a whole bunch doesn't mean you've learned. Even a little bit about a whole bunch. So less is more. Totally. And I took that philosophy as much as I could through my career. 
And I know state tests don't necessarily like that, but I think that my students got more out of it by doing less. Less is more. And again, I agree. You catch the interest, then they can go for more. But I if agree. you hit them and hit them and hit them and hit them, you crush that interest, and then they don't go for more. It's true. And as a country, we need science people. We need engineers. We need all those people to take those technical classes. And if you scare the daylights out of them, you know, as a 10th grade chemistry student, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And I think, yes. I, I think mile wide inch deep is a mistake. I agree with you. You know, and I still teach physics and I teach biology. And yeah, I don't think I like the way I teach either. <laughs> I'm not going to no. lie. But I know that what I'm teaching is right. You know what I mean? Like I'm an inch wide and a mile deep. So like, I'm like, I can't just go through everything. You have to understand the depth of this. So that way you can apply it somewhere and you can mm -hmm. learn something. So like I've been able to, which I've been thankful that the district I work at right now does believe in phenomena. So I'm able to take one phenomena, focus on that, and then go deep into that with the different skills and the different techniques that I teach in physics. So that really kind of centers everything. So for me, I really appreciate that. And it's helped me as a teacher also to understand and to teach kids how to apply things versus just constantly learning all these little things and never applying it to your real life right. because education is real life. You know, that's yeah, you gotta, you gotta make it relatable, you know, as best you can. Absolutely. And, you know, with physics, is there's just so much that's relatable to day to day. But at the same time, physics is probably the first part of science you interact with when you're a kid. And there's a lot of misconceptions that come because of you not understanding as a little kid what you're seeing. Totally. And you think you know, but you don't. Right. And little side note, Derek Muller. He does. A, he's a doctorate in physics. You might have used some of his videos. He does a lot of things with misconceptions. And, you know, I, I had an assistant principal told me, you know, we're have, what questions are they missing? What questions are they missing? And I told her, they miss the same questions every year. No matter what you do, they miss the same idea. Well, he did a little study with some college students, had them take a test, scored it, went through everything on that test. They felt comfortable with it. They took the test again, and they went up like 5%, from like 40% to 45 They still failed it. Wow. That was even after they felt comfortable with it. Yes, I understand what's going on. They couldn't grasp it. There's just certain ideas, particularly in physics, that are were so ingrained by what we experience that we don't really understand the process of what's going on behind the scenes. Even when somebody sits down and tries to explain it to you, and go over it with you. And, you know, I told her that. I said, you know, if, if I could get these kids to answer these questions right from here on out, I'd write a book and be a millionaire. Yeah. But, you know, they miss the same thing. They miss the, the concepts over and over and over again. Right. You know, Newton's third law, bug on the windshield. Why does the bug explode? Well, the car hit the bug real hard. No, it's the same. You know, I, why do, when you punch the wall, does the wall break your wrist? They, they have a awful time understanding that process. Well, I hit the wall too hard. No, the wall hit you just as hard and it broke your exactly. wrist. Yes. And they, there's just ideas that are really difficult, but you can try to get them and try to relate them as best you can. Yeah. And I told you about the inertia, the watermelon in the back seat, buckle in your car, your baby into the seat, 
body armor and everything, and then you forget to put the watermelon in place. So when you hit the brake, the watermelon flies all over and smashes your kid in the head. Uh. And I've had students come back to me after they've had kids and says, when I put my kid in the car seat, I remember you telling us all about that. You know, you got to make sure everything else is attached to it or a nurse is going to come into play. That's so good. Students don't realize all that, that there's so much life application to things. There is, you know, and I love physics for that purpose. The concepts are really, they are abstract. They're super abstract because they don't have a lot of the understanding, like to the background and the visuals. And I was just talking to somebody else about that because they're using graphs and so like coordinates and everything for distance and displacement and and for like trajectory and all that stuff and the Y slope, but they put pictures behind the actual graph to show why you need to know the graph because of this life situation, this real situation where you would apply it to. And I love that that's where we're going right now in education. We're really taking what's in books, but we're applying it to life. And it's awesome that we have people like you who are on that same trajectory. And now you're tutoring and you're bolstering, helping them kind of make sense of their world, because honestly, that's what science is making sense of our world. So Where can parents and families connect with you and get your resources and get your services? Well, I have a Facebook page. You know, they can uh, look me up on Facebook, Gary Mason Tutoring. I have a Google page that I use as well. You can email me at gmasononline at hotmail.com. I check that a lot. So there's different ways you can come in contact, get in contact with me. I do have references on my Facebook page and my Google page. I'll put that in your show notes. So all of your information and all of your email and everything, I'll have it in the show notes. They'll be able to just click and go right in there. Okay. It'll, it'll be really easy for everyone. So with that, what is one big takeaway you want to leave with parents from our conversation today? My students that I work with, high school students, tell me that they very much prefer having somebody work with them to hold them accountable. They want people, somebody to answer their questions, somebody to, if they're not on track, to get them back on track. I know. One of the big pushes right now is everything is being pushed onto the computer. Let the computer respond to you. Well, I tried some of that in my AP chemistry classes with a couple of review chapters. And the students, to a person, told me they hated that. Because they wanted the dialogue between them and the teacher. They wanted the day-to-day accountability. Give them two weeks to do something. They're going to wait till the night before or the morning before. But if you're going through it day-to-day, they're accountable day-to-day. And they want it that way. That's awesome. Uh, They want the person to work with them. They don't want to just be, look at the book, watch this video. They want some dialogue back and forth between a real person and themselves. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Gary. It's been awesome having this conversation with you today. And thank you for sharing all of your experience and your expertise. It's been great having you on today. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. If you love the conversations we're having here on the Homeschool Advantage podcast, follow or subscribe our podcast to stay in the loop and never miss this amazing content. And please highly consider taking a minute to leave a positive rating and review. 
to help others like you discover this show. See you next time.